and welcome to The Literacy Teacher's Life, a podcast for teachers and parents that gives ideas about how to help our children learn to love reading, writing, and all things literacy. I'm your host, Elizabeth Morphus, a literacy professor and a mom to two elementary-aged girls. Here we'll talk about thoughtful, creative, and realistic ways to navigate literacy learning so that your children will feel supported and seen in their reading and writing. Now, let's get this conversation started. Welcome to the Literacy Teachers Life Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas, tips, and strategies to help elementary children thrive with literacy, both in school and at home. It is also the podcast for helping children love reading and writing. Welcome back to the show. We are nearing the end of February, and this past week in the New York City area, we had snow on Tuesday, and the kids had a snow day, which was a really nice surprise. We had more snow this weekend. Hopefully, this will be the end of it, and spring and warmer weather will be on its way. I, for one, am very much looking forward to spring. All right. On the last episode, I spoke with Dr. Lorraine Raddis about her book, Leading a Culture of Reading. And in her book, she introduced the idea of falling in love with reading for the month of February. So in her book, she was really advocating for schools and school districts, helping promote a love of reading for children. And she outlined different ways this can be done. And the Falling in love with reading for the month of February was one of her ideas. I thought it was such a good one. So to continue with this theme of falling in love with reading, I thought I'd put together some ideas that can be done in school and even at home to help kids enjoy reading. So I'm going to give some ideas about what I've seen help both with my own kids and with my students. So here we go. The first one is reading aloud. So recently, there has been quite a bit of research that has come out about how read-alouds or reading aloud in the classroom is really supportive for children enjoying reading and learning from reading. So I recently noticed that the Reading Teacher, which is a peer-reviewed journal, has published a number of studies about read-alouds in the classroom and the benefits that read-alouds have for students. One recent study focused on a teacher conducting read-alouds using nonfiction picture books with elementary students. And the study found that demonstrating what readers do when reading nonfiction significantly supported the student's understanding of nonfiction texts. So when we read aloud to students, we're showing them how we think about the text and how we bring our own knowledge and experience to the reading of the book. So often I find when working with kids that they think that they have to get it when they're reading, that they just have to understand the text rather than they have to bring their knowledge and their experiences when reading the text. And we might have different interpretations. So when reading aloud to students, you can help them bring in their thinking as well. And it helps show kids that reading is a social activity. It's not just an activity that we do in isolation. We can share our thinking with each other and build everyone's knowledge of the content that you're reading about. Right now, one group of my students 
is working with kids in pre-K through eighth grade for the literacy clinic that the SUNY Old Westbury Literacy Program hosts each spring semester. And I'm fortunate enough to work with the students, both my graduate students and the kids who come in each week. And I'm noticing from my own children, as well as the kids in the clinic, that there is an emphasis on schools and teachers asking kids to read each night for anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes, depending on the grade level. And when I'm speaking to the kids who come in for the clinic, for some kids, it's not a problem. But for other kids, this 10 to 20 minutes might not be an easy feat. And it sounds like parents are interpreting these 10 to 20 minutes that the kids have to read by themselves alone, not with the parents. And the kids are telling my graduate students that they don't always read at night. Some nights they're just too tired. Other nights they just simply don't want to do the reading. And hey, at least they're honest. So for parents, rather than making this an argument each night about reading, My recommendation is that you read aloud to your child, and this absolutely counts as those 10 to 20 minutes of reading time. And after you read with your child, you can ask a few questions to hear what your child thought about the book. So I put together a few examples of questions that you can ask after reading with your child. You can ask, what did you like about the book or the chapter of the book that we just read? What would you change about the book or the chapter of the book? What did you like about the main character? What would you change about the main character? What did you think about where the story took place so that you're getting at the setting a little bit? And what was the problem in the book and how was it resolved? You and your child can share your answers with one another and it can turn into more of a discussion. And when you're reading aloud to your child, this really helps build their stamina and it's a great opportunity to spend time with your child. So again, rather than arguing that your child has to do the reading alone, turn this into an opportunity to read to your child and they're still getting something from this experience and you're making it more enjoyable as well. All right. Second idea I have to make reading more enjoyable is introducing kids to many different books. So often I'm finding as I'm the more I work with kids that they don't know what books are available to them to read or what would interest them. So they might be into a series and the series comes to an end and they don't know where to go next. So in a previous episode of the podcast, Jennifer McCartney Plunker shared that the high school students she was working with did not know about certain books and authors. She spent a significant amount of time searching for books that would interest the students and then exposing them to the books and authors. So as elementary teachers, we need to do the same thing. We have to introduce students to new books and authors so that they know what's available to them. Because if they don't know what's out there, then they may not have something that they're interested in reading. So some ways this can be done in the classroom is to carve out time each week to expose students to an author and share some of the books that the author has written. So Jennifer did this in her teaching and found that it had great results with the students. In the past, I have taught a children's literature class And one of the assignments 
that the class had to complete was to research a children's author and illustrator. My graduate students had to learn about the author's life and their body of work. And they also had to create lessons that could be included in the classroom with elementary students. As for part of the assignment, they had to share what they had learned with the rest of the class, also exposing the class to this author and the works that that author had written. And one great outcome of this assignment was that the students realized that they could get kids to read more if they included this type of work into their teaching. So for teachers, think about how you can introduce kids to new authors in the text that they've written. Often when we know something about the author's life, we can find connections to their life in their writing, which helps keep kids interested. So for example, in an episode last year, when I spoke with the author, Matt De La Pena, he shared the story behind Milo Imagine the World, which is a great one for kids to know about and then find connections in the book. And I really find that this information, number one, it helps me stay more engaged in the reading, but it can also help kids stay more engaged in the reading as well and become more interested. And they can also see that authors bring in their life into their writing as they're creating these works. And as I said, we need to expose kids to books and authors because they're not going to read books that they do not know about. Also, I have to recommend children's librarians. They are so knowledgeable about books. So for both teachers and parents, if you're having trouble finding books for your students or your kids, definitely ask a librarian for some help. They're always reading and can help kids find books and authors that they want to read more about. Okay. So the third item I have here is to have conversations that include books. So after reading with your students or with your child, spend some time talking about the book. Last week when I was observing my graduate students working with the kids, it hit me how much conversation was taking place between my students and the kids that they were working with. They were talking about the books that they were reading together, and the kids were really sharing their thoughts and reactions to what they were reading. It really showed that reading is a social activity, and we as teachers and parents have to show kids the social nature of reading. It's more enjoyable, and I would argue that there is more meaning being made when we can talk about the book. So in the classroom, if you can give the students even five to 10 minutes after they're reading to talk about what they're reading. I think this is really helpful and it keeps kids engaged and they're learning then about other books from other students. You can even provide a structure for this and you can change up the structure so that they're discussing different parts of the book. For example, if your students are reading fiction, they can talk about the characters in their books and you can provide discussion questions that focus just on the characters. Maybe a few weeks later, you can have the students discussing the setting and the plot, and again, providing questions to get them started. If you have students who are reading nonfiction, you can do the same thing and have the kids talk about the big ideas from the texts and the details that support those big ideas. And I find that this really gives the kids the opportunity to share their thinking and hopefully find more enjoyment in their reading 
as well as see how they can share their own knowledge with others. So reading becomes less individual and more focused on the whole class. All right. So my last idea for today is to host a book swap. And again, this was in Lorraine's book, but it was also in Jennifer's book in a different way. And I just saw this with my kids and just noticed how how much of an impact it had on so many kids. So I'm always amazed by how successful book swaps are. And getting something new is always fun. So if your school is able to host a book swap, I highly recommend it. My kids' school has been doing this for the last few years, and they absolutely love book swap day. They love being able to choose books and there's some adults to help them pick the books and then they come home and they're super excited to read and to share their new books with each other and also with me. So you can ask for donations from families and from the larger community. And depending on the number of books collected, each child can select a few books to take home. And as I said, my kids really loved this. And it exposes kids to different series and different authors that they may not have noticed just from visiting the library or the bookstore. So those are just a few ideas to help start getting kids more interested and engaged with their reading. Hopefully, some of these were helpful or you've tried them and found them helpful with your own students. Before we end, I just want to end on a positive note At the end of 2023, I was able to speak with Stephen Shaskin, and he's a graphic novel author, and he has written the book series Pizza and Taco. And it's been amazing to hear about graphic novels and the graphic novel books that the kids who are attending the literacy clinic right now are enjoying. And as I've been going around and observing my students with the kids In joining the conversations, I've been amazed by how many of the kids have shared graphic novels that they enjoy reading and that they can name the authors and what books the authors have written. And there's just so much interest around graphic novels. And it's been really great to see how interested and invested the kids are in this genre. So that's something that's been going really well. And it's always wonderful to see kids interested in reading. Another thing that I'm really excited about is Matt De La Pena's upcoming book. It's coming out in May and it's called The Perfect Place. I love using Matt's books in my own teaching and with my kids. So I am really excited for this one to come out. Okay, this was a quick episode today. I'm going to wrap it up for this episode, but hopefully there were some takeaways that were helpful about getting kids to enjoy reading. I know this is a big topic lately. And I know there's a lot to compete with for the kids' attention. There are tablets and YouTube and video games, but hopefully you can help your students and your kids fall in love with reading a little bit more this month and help them see reading as more of a social activity than an isolated activity. And hopefully that is helpful for you. I will be back in two weeks, but until then, happy reading and also enjoy the extra day this year 
We are coming upon that leap year. All right. I will be back in two weeks. Until then, have a great rest of February. And that's it for this episode of The Literacy Teacher's Life. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at The Literacy Teacher's Life. My email address is Elizabeth at theliteracyteacherslife.com. Thank you so much for listening. Please tell a friend about this podcast. And of course, you can leave me a review on any podcast platform where you listen. I so appreciate it. I'll see you next time. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.